Cocabana, boom, boom. Cocabana, boom, boom. Cocabana, it's Cocabana. Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana, and one thing I would never do is hit the marks, which is weird, because you're listening to Hitting the Marks. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, September 7th, 2018, and you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 35 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, and presented by Hameen Media. On today's show, Rick and I are talking red, blue, yellow, mixed match, May Young, ROH, and a ton more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but please join me in welcoming in my tag team partner, RBB. Rick, how's the y'all in hangover? It's me, it's me. It's an honor the beat of the knee. Rick Vickery. Excited once again to be here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You know, just not the, the hashtag all in hangover. And we're really turning the corner here because just like uh, just like I like my whiskey, this show is 101 proof. <laughs> well played, well played. Hey, Huckleberry, I got some big news for you today. You ready for this one? Drop it on me, brother. Here you go. Not only did I go through and completely redo our entire graphics package last night, which thank you for the love to everybody that's showing the love on the new logo. I think it looks great. But we are now available on Stitcher and Google Podcasts. I noticed that in the in the logo there, I was going to bring that up to you off air. Uh, some major upgrades, and it's just the beginning. I know we really can't stooge anything off right now. Uh, but year two, the next hundred or so, man, we have got, we are pushing forward. The show is going to be bigger than ever. We're expanding, looking for new platforms to reach new audiences, uh, to make the show more involved than ever. So everyone out there is going to want to stay tuned for some big announcements coming up here over, uh, you know, the course of the next week. And of course, off the top, you heard our newfound friend, Colt Cabana. Welcoming you to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Props to you and Adam for getting that drop, as I wasn't able to uh, attend the show that evening, but I, I popped pretty damn good when I heard Colt Cabana mention our name. And we've got a huge interview lined up that's not going to be on this episode, but it will be on next week's episode. I'm just telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, next week's episode is going to be a little bit late because we're going to have a very big in interview next Friday morning. I'm not going to stooge off exactly who, but it's somebody that we spoke to at StarCast, and I cannot wait for this interview. I mean, we've had Eric Bischoff on the show, and this might be even bigger than Mr. Bischoff himself. Well, I was going to say, you know, if, if you're going to go bigger than Eric Bischoff himself, then you might be talking about world championship caliber. Yeah, world championship. 
heavyweight champion. I'm not going to say which one, but a potential world heavyweight champion. Huckleberry, we got so much other stuff to talk about on this show. Maybe we'll stooge it off at the end of the show. See if you people keep on listening. Ha <laughs> ha But let's start off with not necessarily All In, not necessarily Monday Night Raw, but Huckleberry, you got some cojones, man. You went from All In to Monday Night Raw? Why would you do that to yourself? <coughs> Hashtag, uh, <coughs> it's work. Oh. See here, I, I, I really thought that you went to Monday Night Raw, and I thought that you got arrested, and all this other good stuff, and you were working everybody. Is that what you're <laughs> telling me? Uh, yes. Uh, hey, you know what, though? On the way home, what, what a great what a great drive. Uh, as you know, uh, it was kind of a, a surprise. A very good friend of mine lives in the hometown of Huron, Ohio. He, I guess he became, I don't want to say it was, it was eating at him. That, you know, I had been talking about StarCast and All In for the better part of two months, gearing up for this thing. So the last minute, he goes online, pulls the trigger, buys the tickets, makes the drive from Northern Ohio on Saturday morning to be there. Of course, I'm talking about my good friend Kevin Mize. So I got to ride back with him. So, you know, it's we got about a five and a half hour drive. You, you really couldn't beat it. I mean, we just talked about the weekend that we had wrestling going forward. Couldn't ask for a better time. So as soon as we hit Ohio, uh, we did see the sign for Columbus. We also saw an exit advertising of one hell of a happy hour. We, we chose to go to the happy hour. I don't blame you. And I tell you what, after uh, seeing what happened on Monday Night Raw, I think you made a very, very wise decision. You know, every, every, I know we're going to get into that there. Everyone's been kind of hard on it. And not by, by no means am I going to defend this thing as being a uh, even, I don't know, tolerable show. Uh, but I guess it does make sense for everything that WWE has going on now. But I know we're going to jump into that. But as a little bit of a teaser, stay tuned. I'm going to try to do my best to put a positive spin on WWE this week. Not me. I'm going to shit all over it. That's what I'm going to do. I can promise you that. But, of course, Monday in the locker room over at HackerHameen.Podbean.com, all we really did was review all in. We didn't talk about any real news. So, Huckleberry, I, I put together a very, very small news run in a couple of these stories. I am very anxious to talk to you about and tell a couple of stories here. Uh, but I wanted to kick things off with Monday Night Football. Because Monday Night Football returns next week with not only one, but with two games. Because it's the first week of the season, you're going to have the New York Football Jets taking on the Detroit Lions. And then the Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, bastard children of the NFL Raiders are going to be taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, of course, you have a Central Time Zone game. You also have a West Coast game. The numbers for Raw next week are going to be rough. Well, I've never heard anyone call them the New York Football Jets. Yeah, I know. I, I do that kind of as a rib on all the people okay. that call them the New York Football Giants because, Jesus Christ, the Giants have been in San Francisco for, what, 50 fucking years? Oh, no, but, you know, traditions, traditions, uh, they run deep, you know. I, I just kind of threw me off there. I, I, get, I get you. I got your rib there. That just still threw me for, for a loop. Uh, yeah, we're, we're about ready to... To head into, I guess this would be like dangerous waters that time of the year for WWE. I guess on one day, looking at this thing, these two games, they really don't jump off the pages being 
all that spectacular. But with that said, it is the opening week in the NFL. You know, a lot of the fans here, we've had some great controversy around the NFL. I know we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, but so many people are just hungry to have their game back. It doesn't matter who they're going to run out there. They're going to be intrigued. They're going to be tuned in. Hell, as we're sitting here recording on Thursday evening, we're getting ready for the big kickoff to the season. With all the controversy, it's going to be really interesting. I know we'll probably touch on it Monday in the locker room, kind of reflect back on you know how this played out. I, to see these numbers from both sides, I have to give it to them. You know, from from a business standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, the NFL itself is playing everyone like total fools. This is a tremendous work on their behalf right now. Yeah. Before we jump into the Nike controversy, I did want to talk a little bit of football with you. You are a Cincinnati Bengals fan, or at least Cincinnati Bengals supporter. I'm not really sure that the Bengals really have any fans left at this point. I am a Green Bay Packers fan, um, although I pull for several other individual players on individual teams, but the Packers are my team. I'm feeling pretty good going into this season because, well, the NFC North is not that great. Uh, how are you feeling as a Bengals fan going into this season? Uh, indifferent. You know, I just, I'm one of those fans, and I'll, I'll admit this. You know, it goes back to originally when they started, you know, the protests with taking the knee during the anthem. I was one of those individuals that, that, that tuned out because of it. Then, it, you know, a couple weeks after that, I really started thinking, like, you know, this is stupid. Well, I'm not going to let the actions of a few players, just because a little disagreement that, that I don't see eye to eye with, I uh, think that they're going about it all the wrong way. Why am I going to let them take away a, a, a joy, a pleasure of mine? Something that, you know, since half of my life, probably over half of my life, I have been invested in the NFL each and every Sunday. Damn near, you know, two decades uh, as, a, as a Bengals season ticket holder. You know, that, that was a huge part of my life. Why am I going to let this affect me in that way? Uh, so I tried to go back to it. And at that point, I realized that I actually better enjoyed my time away from the game. And I never went back. Last year, I might have actually watched maybe five quarters of football. I didn't watch a whole lot of football last year as well, but mine is for a completely different reason. I didn't quit watching because of the whole kneeling controversy and all the politics getting involved in football. I quit watching football because football sucks. Well, you, take, you throw that all in. You know, For me, it was, it was a little bit of the political thing. Uh, the the game itself isn't as enjoyable anymore. And then, as you said, you know, I born and raised a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I am a transplant to Northern Ohio. The Browns and Bengals suck. There's nothing really to get excited about football, professional football wise, here in Ohio, especially when no one else around here really seems to to care that much themselves because it's so. This atmosphere, especially here in Northern Ohio, is dominated by Ohio State Buckeye football. Which is basically the professional team in Ohio. Um, for me, to kind of pull this back into a pro wrestling context, the NFL and the WWE have a lot in common for me. I grew up watching them. I absolutely love them. It's just, I don't think it's very good anymore. The NFL has really taken a downhill turn for me over the course of the last five years or so kind of around the same time WWE did. And much like I sought out New Japan Pro Wrestling, I am now a bigger Blackhawks fan than I am anything. Hockey is where it's at, man. Huckleberry, you watch hockey? 
Uh, I'm one of those. I check the standings every week. If I see a, a big marquee game, I will check it out. Uh, one of those, you know, but you, you ha- it's a sport where you definitely have to pay attention during the playoffs. There's nothing really more exciting than watching a team make a run towards the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, they, they call it one of the most grueling feats in all of professional sports is, you know, they capture that cup going True through the playoffs. So that's definitely, you know, it's not something – they're one of those, those bigger schedules. Really, they had 82 games. 82, just like the NBA. Just like the NBA. So it's one of those things, you know, you check in on it. I'm not really – we do have a team here in Ohio, the Blue Jackets. Yeah. They're, they're one of the mill. You know, they're good enough to make the playoffs. I think maybe they only have, like, one playoff series win in the franchise history somewhere along this line. So it's not something that it's overly promoted here that you get overly excited about, you know, especially – in comparison to like basketball over the last couple of years, we've had the Cavs and, and I expect that to die off here over, over the, you know, at least this season, next season, as they're trying to regroup and redirect themselves with the, with the loss of LeBron. But yeah, it's it definitely is one of those sports. And, I, and I'll tell you what really brought me back in love with it with hockey going back a few years ago when your Blackhawks were making a run. I happened to be in Chicago where we just were this weekend, but I was down in the heart of Chicago for this thing while they were making a Stanley cup run. And there, there was, and you just talk about something you don't really have to get it. It doesn't really have to everything be for you, but just the vibe, the excitement. It, it's hard not to catch that fever. Yeah. I love my Blackhawks. Uh, but ironically enough, my favorite player in the league right now plays for your Columbus blue jackets. His name is Artemi Panarin. You got him from the Chicago Blackhawks and I have been pissed off at the Chicago Blackhawks ever since they let him go. That kid is a freaking stud. If you ever wanted to start watching hockey and you're in OH IO now is the time because Artemi Panarin something to watch. Uh, let's, let's go ahead. Let's talk about this Nike thing because I, I think you and I, have a little bit different perspective on this than most. Most people are looking at this thing and just emotionally react to it. You and I are two rational human beings. We actually see what in the hell is going on here. But I think the biggest story that is being lost in this entire thing is not only the free advertising that marketing and that Nike is getting out of this thing. I heard the number $43 million worth of free advertising in the freaking media. Thanks to this entire controversy that was in the first 24 hours, $43 million worth of free advertising for Nike, just from so many people talking about this thing. But Rick, why is this a big deal? Nike has been doing this for years. Do you remember the Charles Barkley, I am not a role model commercial? My God. Well, I think this one goes a little more over the top because, you know, it's such a hot button issue right now. And I think what's what's really perfect about this, you know, and just kind of go back to your standard real quick. And people are going to the extremes with this. thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Talk about an emotional reaction. If you take a moment and just step back and breathe, look at this thing for what it really is. This is a marketing ploy. This is, if everyone listens to us is a professional wrestling fan, this is one of the, the grandest works of the last five to ten years. Oh, yeah. They, they are pulling the heartstrings of both sides, working everyone like puppets. The timing here to run this thing out just days Essentially, when we had this thing, 48 hours is when this thing really broke before uh, the 2018-2019 kickoff, which is, I guess, the pre-show is actually going on now as we're recording here. You've got essentially, what you had here, you've got 
the two sides, those in support of the protests and those that kind of see themselves, I don't even say anti-protest, but more support of the flag, the military, the police, uh, that think that they should be going out this, a different direction. you got those two sides. Up to this point, you really had the league stuck in the middle. There was a no-win situation for the league. You know, they, they couldn't appease the players on one side, the, the owners and, you know, the other side there. So what, what you actually do, you set up two boundaries. You have the owners standing strong with, we are going to fine any players. They're going to be held responsible. We're, we're going we're gonna to set up some employee standards where they are going to pay respect to the flag. So over here, we've got all these people that are against taking the knee. They're somewhat happy. They are standing with the owners. They're okay. And a lot of those individuals, those are the ones that are going to the games. Those are the ones buying the season tickets. And I'm sorry, it, it is. It's essentially, it is middle-class white America. Yep. Absolutely. To the upper that, that are filling these stadiums. And those are the ones that are opposed to these players taking a knee. And as they see it, disrespecting the flag, the military, and the police. On the other side of that, you do have minority groups. Uh, who who have different perspectives than those individuals do when it, it comes to how the police treat our society, how they're viewed there. They stand with those players, and now that the, and that the owners were you know, siding with the other side, they were taking shots at the NFL. You need to do something. This isn't fair to the players. So what do you do? You go out and get what you're no, one of your number one sponsors, the ones that supply your uniforms, your biggest merchandise seller, and have them make a stand for that side of the argument. The NFL can kind of just slide on back right now. Wait for the opener. Wait for people because you now are going to have both sides coming back. They have someone representing them through the NFL in this fight. And I think, you know, just this this print ad that we've got, look at what this the stir that this thing's caused. They're going to run an actual commercial during this game tonight. And that's the kicker right there. And, and you tell me. All the people that have kind of left for whatever reason, they're going to come back, if not for anything else, just to see this thing so they can take to the to the interweb and blow this thing up either side of the coin, no matter where they stand in this argument. Absolutely. Tonight will be the highest rated Thursday night football game in history. And I can't even tell you who's playing in the game. It doesn't even matter. This Kaepernick ad is going to air. This is freaking genius on literally everybody's part. Everybody's part. And it's reignited this entire conversation. The way I feel about it, I don't like Colin Kaepernick. I like my Nikes. I'm going to wear my Nikes. And if you differ on either opinion, I don't really care. And it's not because I dislike Colin Kaepernick for taking a knee. I dislike him because this has all been a work. The only reason that he even started any of this is because the 49ers were about ready to cut his ass. So he did this whole freaking stunt knowing that they couldn't release him and he saved himself like two million freaking dollars. That's what this whole freaking thing has been about. Well, I'll tell you, and who's going to make out like a bandit here? You know, just on top of what he's getting, through this Nike deal. And I know they already had a contract in place with him. They had something there. They had to find a way to utilize him here. You know, and I believe me, I, I firmly believe that they had to run this by the league. You, oh, cause there's no to. way, especially when you've got a deal in place of supplying those uniforms, all of that merchandise that is being moved through these stadium shops, through the NFL shop, any sort of retail outlet, 
That's all Nike. You're not going to go piss off the NFL right now. They knew what was going on. This is all a big plan here. And they just signed a 10-year extension. Well, and then going back to Kaepernick here, you know, he's got he's got that Nike deal. He already had that there, but I'm guessing now with this attention, he's going to see a little more off the top of that. And he is going to, within the next couple of weeks, by the end of this season, he is going to get a, I don't even want to say a nice fat check from the NFL owners. Right now, the numbers I'm seeing kicked around is going to be anywhere from 25 mil up to each team giving him a mil. That would be 32 mil in a settlement that he has against the league. So for all the support, for, for taking any standing for, you know, believing in this thing to walk away with, let's say, at least $32 million between the two deals, uh, pretty sweet gig. You know, and he never cared about a damn thing and still he tar- started dating that uh, chick who's like a super political activist. Very, very ironic. Now, let me, let me ask you real quick before we get off here, because this is, this is really, this is hilarious to me. I'll have borderline asinine and uh, pretty much just the, the bottom dwellers, the brain dead members of our society. And this, this isn't just here in the Nike thing. We've seen this from other sides. When you're not happy with something, the way they act out, but these dumbasses destroying their gear. Yeah. I, my personal favorite is the guys who are still wearing their Nike socks, but they have cut the Nike logos out of them. So yeah, now you're me, just wearing that, that, holy that, socks. That is, that's absolutely asinine. I actually pitched a, a you know, you know, I, I live more in a conservative area, and some people were complaining about it the other day. And, and they were talking about, so like, oh, and, you know, I got all this Nike gear. I can't, you know, I'm just going to throw it away. I said, why don't you just go out? If you really want to make a statement, you already spot this money. It's it's nice merchandise. It, you're not going to, it it's not like you're siding with them now that you're wearing it. People know where you stand. You just go out and get a little American flag pin and put it over the Nike symbol if you're that pissed off. I just think it's hilarious that we're so pissed off that Colin Kaepernick took a knee that we're going to protest Nike. Never mind that they've been paying women in Indonesia 20 cents an hour to make those fucking shoes that you're paying $130 for. That we have no problem with, but Colin Kaepernick, oh, I'm going to burn my shit now. Just well, ridiculous. It's, you know, Because those things are out of sight, out of mind. What really gets me, I guess you do what you want with it, but, but wake up here, people. Open your eyes. You're not making this isn't about some grand statement. This isn't about morality in this country. This isn't about what's right and wrong. This is about you being a blind sheep and falling in to one of the, the oldest marketing ploys in the book. I, I guess I really shouldn't be knocking you as a marketing guy. I, I think it's fucking genius. Yeah, it's absolutely genius. In the immortal words of Tomatonga, I'm making money. Well, it, it, you know, this goes back to Eric Bischoff. Controversy creates cash. And then even further than that, your context is king here. Absolutely. Let's uh, speaking of advertising and marketing and all that great stuff. Let's talk about the PWI 500. This has been out now for about a week and we haven't had a chance to talk about it at all yet. Uh, I I only have the top 10 here because I didn't want to read 500 names. But here is your PWI top 10 for 2018 kenny omega aj styles kazuchika okada brock lesnar seth rollins braun Strowman, roman reigns cody rhodes tatsuya naito and the miz it's a pretty solid list man now keep in mind when you look at this list because i've seen a lot of people freaking out about this list and oh my god how is brock lesnar number four on this list 
He was the champion of the universe literally this entire calendar year for the PWI 500. Kayfabe absolutely plays into this thing. There are a couple names on here, though, that I just don't understand why in the world they're on here. Braun Strowman stands out like a sore freaking thumb. Tetsuya Naito stands out like a sore freaking thumb. Roman Reigns stands out like a sore freaking thumb. I don't think Roman Reigns has had that great of a 2018. Well, see, we'd have to really look at the expanded list here. I can make arguments here. Because uh, you said KFAP, not only does it play a big part of this list, it is this list. Yeah. It is this list. And I saw that people were freaking out. Oh, but it, chill yourself, you know? There are still some things that they hold to traditional values in the sport of professional wrestling. And it, it's not just about appeasing the sparks. And that's going to be a running theme through this entire show here as we hit some things. Honestly, it just isn't for your smart guess. So this is something that's, that's traditionally towards the kayfabe sense of professional wrestling. And I, and I can understand, I guess maybe the only one that really would get me is that number nine is uh, NATO. All he's done is lost every big match he's had in 2018. I, 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 that's, that's what I would go there. He has, I mean, I know that's always been a running theme with him, you know, that he has been having trouble getting that big one and getting to that big moment. Uh, but if you're looking for a year that kind of defines all of that for him, it had to have been up to this point in 2018. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or from this point last year. But all the other ones, yeah. I mean, if you can look at all the great accomplishments, even if you bring up Braun Strowman, he's kind of been up and down, but he has been so dominant. Well, but I don't, I guess my thing with Strowman is I don't necessarily object to him being in the top 10, but number six? I, I, I would agree with you there. I would probably re reshuffle the deck here. With these individuals, I think Cody is extremely low at number eight. Yeah, I, I very much agree there. And I, I feel like Seth Rollins should probably be at number four. I understand Brock Lesnar was the champion of the universe, but my God, you have to appear at least so many times in my mind's eye to even make the list. Well, I, I think you, you even in the KFAB sense, you're looking at the importance that one has on the business. And let's look at, is there anyone in reality or KFAB that has been built up to have more importance in professional wrestling than Brock Lesnar. I mean, even when he does show, you know, it's supposed to be everybody stop what you're doing all eyes on the main attraction, all eyes on the beast. He is in this day and age. He is one of those throwbacks that is uh, still a true special attraction. I can see exactly why he is there. Maybe he should be down a little lower. I don't know. Hey, I also say I'm looking at the bottom half. I said Cody should be higher. The Miz at 10 is a little puzzling. Yeah. Uh, the amazing year that he has had. And I guess you're just, I don't know. To me, the, this PWI should embody, yes, in the KFAB sense, but everything that you bring to the business. I agree. Even Because, hey, being a star is a big part of professional wrestling. And Miz in the WWE, it's very hard to break through that, that glass ceiling to be a true superstar. And Miz is one of the few uh, that has probably done that. Is there anybody that immediately comes to your mind that you say, how is this person not in the top 10? Because for me, there's only one, and it was Hiromu Takahashi. Hiromu has had an incredible 2018 until he had his fucking neck broke by Dragon Lee. Uh, yeah, looking kind of at this thing, I, I, I could see maybe some arguments for like a Dalton Castle. Uh, a Jay one. Lethal, you know, someone representing Ring of Honor. Zack Sabre Jr. is another one that came to mind. 
definitely. But you know, once again, this this is one of those things where you're trying to reach the masses as a publication, and obviously WWE is going to get the edge just because uh, a vast majority of the fans are more familiar with their work. You know, you really overload this thing with some of the Indian foreign stars, and you leave a lot of the so-so fans really scratching their head. How'd you feel about Kenny being number one? I think it's a tremendous choice. You know, preparing for the show here today, I got to thinking about something. I was actually looking this over as I was rewatching Raw. I actually made it through Raw this time, but uh, I was rewatching it. And I got to thinking, you know, how, how could somebody like Kenny fare in a top spot in the WWE? And I, and I know his size is a big deterrent there to try to, you know, have him standing there in those long winded promo segments where you can obviously see the difference in individuals. But I was thinking about, you know, someone like Roman Reigns where it, the, the audience is so divided against him. And I know it's working for them right now in their current business structure. Someone like Reigns is able to, to hold that position. But Kenny seems like someone that, that across the board, you know, the children, the women, uh, the, the marks, the smarks, there's something there with him that market it right, present it properly. He is someone that could be over the top on the grand stage like WWE. I think the ceiling for Kenny Omega is number two, uh, which is AJ Styles. I think that is probably the best comparison that you could ever make. Um, I, I'd almost say, I, I know what you're saying, ceiling like talent-wise, if he would go to WWE, where he could go, it would take him a little bit. He'd, he'd have to earn that respect and then catch some breaks along the way. Yep. Uh, let's, let's not be careful. So if you know, if there, if they were, if just, AJ didn't fly halfway around the world to be at that event in Detroit last year to take on Finn Balor, he never is WWE champion for well, 300 well, days. You know, even going back, uh, going back to his debut at the rumble, if WWE wasn't just so devastated with injury, there's a good chance that we see him have to go through NXT. Yeah. You know, they, it was more of a necessity. They needed someone there. They needed a pop there in the Rumble. So he goes through there. Uh, if there wasn't a brand split, we're not seeing AJ Styles anywhere near this level of success. You know, at, at best, maybe he's like in a Seth Rollins role representing a traditional intercontinental champion. But, you know, he's going to be on every week. We've seen by, you know, an hour, 90 minutes in the show, and that would be it from him. He'd be in these openers on pay-per-views. He wouldn't be representing WWE as you know, WWE as their actual WWE champion. Uh, but he's, he's caught those, he's caught those breaks. And at worst, Kenny Omega becomes Finn Balor. I, I, I could see it there. I, going back to the AJ thing. I think Omega, his, his presence and the potential for character would far exceed anything that AJ can do. And believe me, that's not a knock on AJ in any way. I, that's just, uh, I think Kenny's better. I think Kenny's Kenny better on the mic too. I just uh, his body language, the way, you know, even when he sent everyone home at all in uh, and he regularly does that for shows. It's just that there's something sincere. He's one of those guys like a Daniel Bryan where you actually it's not a character. You actually buy in that that is the individual. And hey, this is coming from a guy that's not really a Kenny Omega fan. Number three, Kazuchika Okada, he was number one last year, and I think you could make a case Okada should have been number one again this year, considering he held that title most of the year. I think, you know, 
the great run by Omega throughout the. No, you think Omega did come into this year pretty slow. I mean, he kind of disappeared for better part of three, four months, correct? Three yeah. and a half months. Uh, but you know, you know a lot. Of, hey, what have you done for me lately? And there's been no one hotter than Kenny Omega. You know, on in the last six months, right now, uh, AJ Styles is is held the belt the entire the entire year at this point. I think you know, Okada, He just kind of he's been stumbling lately. He lost the title, of course. You know, the longest reigning. You know, all the accomplishments he's had, I think three fits him perfectly. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole list here. I, I just really wanted to hit on that uh, top three. But I did want to bring up, I cannot remember the last time that two years in a row, number one was not somebody in the WWE. Uh, I, I'm Without looking it up here, I I've actually do have the list in front of me. Without clicking through each one, I'm just going to go ahead and agree with you. I, I mean, that would almost be crazy. That would be unheard of. Yeah, two years. Uh, you in know, a row. Uh, and unless no, let's go back. This that might have happened like in the '90s. WCW could have done that. Oh, that's true. That's true. But still, the better part of 20 years. Right. You know, since since the demise of the uh, you know the multiple top promotions in North America, it's probably that has not happened. Yeah, very interesting. There's definitely a shift going on inside of the pro wrestling world right now. Well, what we could go there to kind of twist what you said, you know, just not outside WWE, but outside of a North American promotion. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did find fascinating, we're going to talk a little bit of all in behind the numbers here, um, but I thought this was fascinating. The median age for the average WWE fan right now is 48 years old. The median age of those that were at all in 26. I think that's fascinating. There, there is a whole nother crop of wrestling fans out there that are looking for that cool promotion. And it's just not WWE right now. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about something that happened at Starcast Cause I don't think this is getting nearly enough press. Huckleberry. Have you heard this story yet about buff Bagwell trying to rip off Conrad Thompson? Uh, I have, I have Why, in case, uh, I it hasn't been widespread news, so why don't you go ahead and fill everyone in there, Gary? How the wrestling world is not talking about this is just crazy to me. So here's I think there's there's just so much going on right now. People trying to get caught up with everything else, you know, outside of all in. That this is one of those things that have just just kind of yeah. This story and the next one it has been buried too, and I think they're both absolutely hilarious. So Buff Bagwell, evidently, he shows up and he's doing why it ended with Robbie E. And then afterwards, he is doing a meet and greet. Well, evidently, after the meet and greet, Buff Bagwell went to Mr. Conrad Thompson and wanted to get his money for the meet and greet. And evidently, everything was being done electronically, like PayPal and stuff like that. And so that wasn't all right with Buff. So he grabs an envelope of money off of Conrad Thompson's desk and proceeds to take off running through the Hyatt Regency Hotel with security chasing him. And at the front of the line is Joey Janela. So you have Joey Janela and security chasing Buff Bagwell through the StarCast Hotel getting a hold of Buff before Buff could get into his car and make his escape. Huckleberry, this story is just too good to be true. Now, I know you were at StarCast for a while on Sunday. Did you, Were you there? Did you see this thing go down? I, I had exited the building before this thing went down. I actually, I, had, I actually had plans. It was on my schedule to go to the Robbie E. State Show, something I really wanted to check out. I haven't really been a diehard listener of this new podcast but the things you know what i have heard i have really enjoyed it's really so I want good. to go in and check out the you know 
check it out live. Uh, see if it could really get me hooked to it. Gets into my my regular routine each and, and every. Who's week. his co-host? Matt Coon, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, why it ended with Robbie E and Matt Coon? If you're not listening to that show, check it out. Yeah, so I, I, that, that was on my schedule. Fortunately, you know that uh, Rivera and I we had plans to go catch another show on the other side of town. It was about an hour and a half away. Uh, so just make sure that we could get there in time uh, to cover their fan fest. I had to miss out on this, so I completely missed out on, on Buff, uh, a runaway Buff. I, I, I don't know here. <laughs> you know what, though? I, since we are talking about Buff, I will go ahead and give you a story from this weekend. I know Gooch had put something up in a conversation. I believe, was it over on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling page? Was I, it over on our actual page or in one of the groups that... It was either there was. or the reflection page. One of okay, the two. It was in one of the, the, the wrestling circles that we run in. And he really couldn't believe that that was Buff Wet Bagwell, you know, how, how he looks today. And I did not want to, I didn't want to bury him in any way. You know, you know, the golden rule, especially, you know, for us, Mark podcasters, is, you know, not to, to make any waves with the talent. We never know what's going to come back to bite us in the ass. But after hearing this story, you know, fuck it. Uh, the, the rules are the rules are gone. No, no holds barred here. So Saturday afternoon, you know this. Uh, we rush back to the hotel. We got to drop off our gear. We want to get out of our dress clothes. We want to get into our mark clothes. We just want to sit and enjoy the show. Uh, so I'm pretty much I am. I, I dart out of the out of the the shuttle into the room to change as fast as I can to get make sure that I can catch the shuttle back to get back to Starcast to meet up some other individuals. You had some different plans. I left my phone. At the hotel. So you had to bring it to me at the show. Like so a I good Huckleberry, have, I grabbed it and brought it to I, you. I didn't have anything to document this experience with. But I was next to Buff Bagwell at the hotel bar for about 30 minutes. Now, that wasn't a straight 30-minute conversation. Uh, I was just here and there. We didn't even talk wrestling. It was just There was uh, some sports on television, things like that. It was just some random. He was looking at the menu. I suggested a few things that we had back and forth, back and forth here. Uh, really not didn't come off as all that bright of a guy really hard at times. He was having to trouble like structuring together some sentences. And then I don't know if this was, and his girlfriend, his wife, uh, I, I don't know what kind of relationship they had. Uh, but from someone you would think buff, you know, the stuff, I mean, uh, the American made an American male, you know, a guy that was running around with Scott Steiner, the only way that I could really describe this lady's face, I mean, she looked more beat up than it was absolutely. Uh, and Kevin Mize was there with me. He was he was in shock. Didn't couldn't believe that that Buff would be with someone like that. So I'll go ahead. I was I was going to keep that story to myself. Maybe share with a couple people off air. But but now that I know this story with Conrad, you know, uh, fuck it. It's Damn out there, it, Buff. See, and here we were trying to clean up the show. Speaking of people uh, not worth uh, cleaning up here, because this is another fascinating one. I absolutely love this story, too. Sammy Callahan has lost his damn mind at AAW in Chicago. Huckleberry, did you hear this story? Uh, this one is going to be news to me. Okay, so, so the story is... Sammy Callahan was having a match at Logan Square Auditorium for AAW, and uh, Sammy Callahan got a little carried away. He started throwing chairs on top of his opponent. 
And, but instead of using the folding chairs, you know, like we normally do when we do that spot, he was using those like hard plastic chairs and just like literally kicking people out of their seats, picking up these chairs and throwing them at his opponent until all of a sudden over the PA system, you hear, stop tearing apart my arena. It was the freaking general manager of Logan Square Auditorium, and he was pissed. So he sends security after Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan starts taking out security. Who do you suppose is security at Logan Square Auditorium on a Friday night during All In Weekend? They're off-duty Chicago police officers. Sammy Callahan damn near got shot in Chicago by police because Sammy Callahan was basically assaulting police officers. Now it sounds as though AAW running Logan Square Auditorium is kind of in question because uh, they don't really want uh, Sammy Callahan anywhere near their venue again. Oh, uh, Do we have another, uh, is this Nike marketing? I, I don't know, man, but this is great stuff. I love Sammy Callahan, and I love how much he has bought into this gimmick and just saying, you know what? Fuck all you people. I love it. It is fantastic. That is, that's, what's the best, that's what's best about hearing this story. With Sammy Callahan, he is what wrestling needs right now because it's one of those things like, oh, this has to be work, right? But with him, you don't know. Exactly. And he's so good at blurring these lines. Oh, it's great stuff, so man. Blurring the lines between, you know, what's what's real, what is pro wrestling. This is exactly what we need. And like you said there, work or not, this is one of those things. It's just freaking great. And you know Sammy is going to make money off of this somehow. He will somehow get a t-shirt made of him beating up Chicago police officers and sell 500,000 of them on pro wrestling tees. It's absolutely ridiculous how over Sammy Callahan has gotten with this whole, I hate to say it, loose cannon gimmick. That's basically what he's doing, right? This is the old Brian Pillman. You don't know what's a work. You don't know what's a shoot. He's a loose cannon. Perfect. I love it. Great stuff. Let's take a, a little bit of a look at all in behind the numbers here. And then we've got some news uh, regarding some of the talents on all in um, 11,263 Huckleberry. That is the official reported announcement of the attendance. And I would just like to extend a nice big fuck you to anybody who is giving them. Oh, it was only 11,000. The WWE does that four nights a week. Uh, and I'm still and? Uh, they don't. They don't do that four nights a week. Fuck no, they don't. Uh, they it may be between two shows. They get close to it. Uh, but there's some nights they're not even breaking 10,000 between two live events. And that is very easy to go find. Anyone sitting there trying to argue a different different side of that, you know, outside of like a, a pay-per-view week, uh, is sadly mistaken. You can easily go find attendance numbers. WWE themselves doesn't deny the dwindling live event attendance numbers. They, they try to you know, deflect it to other, other directions and other reasoning, but even they know the live event attendance is down right now. The goal was 10,000 seats. 11,263. Is that more than 10,000? Yes. Goal achieved. That's pretty much how I feel about it. Well, you know, it's... And in looking, you have to look at everything in the context of... of of what the real meaning is surrounding it. This is the first, the first wrestling show outside, you know, besides WWE since the, since WCW that has sold 
over 10,000 seats in North America. Yep. And then MSG. Like, there is a trend going on here. It's a matter of who is going to harness this and really pick up on it. And I think one of those people that's going to harness it is going to be WGN America. Uh, 196,000 viewers. Rick, when you saw that number, what was your immediate thought? Uh, my first was congratulations to, to Cody and the Unbox, all those involved. Uh, and again, you know, there's this naysayers. Well, you got to remember, first of all, you know, we've seen Raw and SmackDown get dangerously close to this number themselves. They have, SmackDown's approaching a thousand episodes. That's ingrained in people's brains that it is there each and every week, and they still are not tuning into this thing. This is on WGM that has no long-running history of professional wrestling. There wasn't an over-the-top budget to promote this thing being on this platform. It was more of a grassroots internet campaign that spread the word here for individuals to check this thing out. I think it's a tremendous draw that they did. Absolutely. 196,000. That's better than a lot of Lucha Underground episodes. It's right in line with what Impact Wrestling has been doing on Pop TV. But I think the important number that nobody is talking about here is that 18 to 49 demographic. The 18 to 49 demo was 107,000 of that 196,000 viewers. And that is the demographic that the advertising people and the marketing people really want to reach. It was double the adult demographic from the WGN Sun or Saturday night average. What they normally have on there is blue bloods, which is like 60 year old people watching that. So double the adult demo, triple the adult male demo versus the WGN average. WGN has to be happier than a pig at rolling around in shit right now. And unfortunately, I feel like the big loser is Ring of Honor. With the whole Sinclair and Tribune deal falling through, this very easily could have become Ring of Honor's regular time slot every week if that deal would have happened. And with the right people pushing a promotion in the right direction saying, look what this did here you know, at WGN, it could have meant you know, more attention being given towards Ring of Honor, more funds being directed towards Ring of Honor, a, a bigger push. You know, maybe were they instead of having like these random, uh, you know, month out shows, you know, maybe we get a week in advance taping somewhere along those lines. Maybe they would focus a little more to see that there there is some serious interest and you can you can drive some numbers with professional wrestling. Uh, it's something that's held true decade after decade, you know, Pro wrestling does draw viewers to your station. Now it gets into you know, how much do you really want to spend there because it can be a, a very expensive production, especially when they moved away from the studio shows uh, and got into you know traveling to the live venues and all that. And now with the bigger production and actually going live, that has changed the game. But it is always still, still people will tune in for it. People like pro wrestling, if anything, just for the novelty of the thing. But yeah, you got to think now. WGN is trying to find a way to get into some more wrestling business. Uh, another number. I know you didn't have this on the run here, but I, I pulled this up. This to me is incredible. Uh, all in the event total internet buys looks to be over twenty thousand. Wow. So that would be Fight TV, New Japan World, and Honor Club. Uh, and that uh, right now it looks like it. Uh, that's through Fight. 
uh, does not include traditional cable television buys. And I guess that you'd have there might be an estimate in there for New Japan World and Honor Club, but you'd really have to to take consideration how many people already had memberships there, right? As well, opposed to and, how many signed up, you know, during this event. Well, and I guess you can kind of rule New Japan World out of it because that was broadcast on delay as opposed to live. So really, you're just talking about Honor Club. Correct. Yeah, because I actually was having a conversation with Ryan over at thegirlposition.com. Uh, she might, you know, for uh, so many great, time, so much great content covering All In and all the other promotions. Perfect magazine style. It's you know, it's the stories about the stories. It's not the dirt sheet style. It's something with substance. Thegirlposition.com. Make sure you're checking that out. But yeah, because he had kept mentioning, you know, All Japan World, and I had to keep reminding him, hey man, this was on delay. A lot of people weren't going there for like they couldn't go there for that first run. And even with Honor Club, they really weren't promoting that. There were a lot of individuals. You know, I probably talked to a dozen or so people asking, you know, what do you think is the best outlet to to take this in, to try to take in StarCast and all? And I said, if you're just going with all in, I, I think your best bet is to go Honor Club. And I was encouraging people to get the extended memberships so that they can, you know, buy in and, and get caught up with, with what's going on with Ring of Honor. Because if you liked all in, you're going to like Ring of Honor. That was probably your best bet there, but... I mean, look at this. This essentially seems to be things that were through Fight TV, and that is 20,000 buys. That's pretty damn good. I would be very happy with that number if I am Cody in the Bucks. Well, I know on Sunday when I was at the uh, the Jim Ross State Show, uh, first you had on Ray Mysterio. You talk about it, just an incredible exchange between two absolute legends. And then you get Cody on top of that. They actually did come in and tell us they couldn't give us exact numbers at the time. But they said that they had a very aggressive target number. And the early results on Sunday were that they exceeded that five times. Tremendous. Love it. Uh, Let's talk about Chris Jericho. Of course, we saw Chris Jericho at All In. And uh, Bully Ray uh, had uh, this to say about uh, Chris Jericho just recently on Jericho's loyalty to the WWE quote from Bully Ray. I think it's changed in the last six months. Now, Rick, I think this actually goes back further than that. Uh, We remember hearing when Jericho was planning the cruise originally Jericho wanted NXT as the brand on the cruise and Hunter shot that down. That's when ROH kind of came into play. And that's when Jericho started talking with new Japan pro wrestling. And then that whole thing happened with the alpha versus Omega Jericho now running around with the IWGP intercontinental championship. What do you make of this whole Jericho thing? He has now appeared on pay-per-view that a, for a company that is not the WWE inside North America. Granted, he was not advertised, so he did not sell any pay-per-views. Nobody tuned in to see what Chris Jericho was going to do at All In. But what do you make of Jericho right now? This is pretty simple here. Jericho is the ultimate opportunist. Chris Jericho ain't no fool. Chris Jericho's loyalty is to Chris Jericho. And now it has been proven that there is opportunity to make some serious change without the aid of the WWE. You know, his loyalty to them was because, yes, they they are the top dog still. 
But at the time, it was really the only place where the real money was at. You could go out and do your other side projects. You could go to television. You had Fozzie. You could get into different forms of entertainment, books, things like that, podcasting. But ultimately, that safe bet for that big payday was to go back to WWE. Well, now we have seen, no pun intended, uh, the walls are being broken. People are busting through on their own. That is here through, we've seen this at All In. We've seen this with Ring of Honor, New Japan, what they have done at Madison Square Garden. We've seen this through just his own efforts, you know, reviving an old idea of wrestling on a, on a party boat. And he is seeming to have great success with this. He doesn't need Vince as much as he, Jericho, and others don't need Vince as much as they did six months ago. Jericho is killing it. Whoever would have thought in 1996, 1997, looking at Lionheart Chris Jericho, that in 2018, he would still be on the cutting edge of the business. Just absolutely great stuff out of Jericho. I'm not surprised at all because didn't he just recently, he, he gave an interview where he, wasn't he talking about Osprey uh, going out there and killing himself? Yep. Jericho's always been about, he comes from that old school and then it's something that everyone needs to truly understand in this business. Work smarter, not harder. You know, you regularly, cause you know, Cody goes out, works a character based match. And a lot of that is more WWE style, but overall, you know, the character is one of the absolute best in the business. Uh, what, you know, when he steps away from the ring, his business mind, the guy's drive, what he wants to do here is off the charts. Unbelievable. I mean, and when it comes to the overall professional wrestling world right now, you know, he's the hottest thing going. If, if there was a top 500 for the absolute best things in professional wrestling, Cody Rhodes, hands down, runs away with that this year. And I think we're only going to see bigger and better things to come from him in the Bucks. And I think number two has to be Chris Jericho, without any question. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, he is still holding that IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And as I predicted back in June, it looks like Evil is going to be the uh, competition coming up at King of Pro Wrestling. Jericho recently did an interview with New Japan. Uh, You can find it on NewJapanWorld.com. Um, and it's a free watch even, uh, Jericho said this, when I look at the new Japan roster and I see the, who are the next superstars of the company, I think evil is one of those candidates, but he made a big mistake coming to save Naito, but he needs to mind his own fucking business. And that made me really mad. He's going to pay the price. I don't know when. I hold grudges very deeply. I don't forget. And I will get my revenge on evil at some point. And only I know when. I'm excited. Evil versus Jericho. King of pro wrestling. This thing's going to be absolutely lit. And Jericho is going to put him down for the one, two, three. And he is going to carry that title into Wrestle Kingdom. Where he is going to lose it to the Rainmaker. Kazuchika Okada. I'm excited. You know, outside of this, you know, Jericho absolutely doing what Jericho does, building things up to just to his character here, what we were talking about. I, I really wonder, you know, with how ambitious he is, how deep is he involved right now that we just don't see with Cody in the Bucks? Yeah. How deep is this thing running right now? Yeah. 
You know, we were talking about the great mind. You just mentioned, you know, you got Cody and Jericho up there, obviously the Bucks. I would love to get a little panel, you know, some of our colleagues over at the Hummy Media Group, maybe some from the Roar Network with the GorillaPosition.com, anyone out there, you know, bring them on to maybe, maybe we bring in a couple different people to get a, a few different opinions on this thing. If we're going to talk about the top of the top in the wrestling business as a whole, what they are bringing, I mean, I think there would be a great debate between, you know, people like Cody, Jericho and the Bucks actually against, you know, still what Vince and Triple H and Stephanie are bringing. Because I'm not going to dismiss the efforts of WWE right now. They're just in a completely different direction. And I don't think a lot of people realize really what they're doing over there. You know, it would be fascinating. Throw Matt Hardy into that mix. Uh, And I, you know, really, if you're building a team, to try, you know, to really move forward, to get very ambitious, man, he would be one hell of a wild card. Wouldn't he? Uh, you know, he's already in the WWE's camp. Are they really, you? Oh, and like Borash, they've already got him there. How are they utilizing those great minds? You know, what can go forward? And what would uh, a crew like Jericho, Cody, and the Bucks give to get them on their team? Yeah. And Matt Hardy and Jeremy Borash? Already friends with the Young Bucks and Cody. It's, uh, that would be fascinating. Let's well, and I, I would think, you know, just being under the, the WWE structure, you know, someone like Hardy and Borash, they're really going to be handcuffed to how high they can fly right now. But, hey, you know, get that money, get out of there, use that experience, and, and then hopefully there's time to hook up with these guys on the outside. Or, hell, this could all be for nothing. And everyone we're talking about, Come WrestleMania season, could be working under a WWE banner. Speaking of another guy who may be under the banner by that time, it sounds as though Pentagon Jr. is WWE bound. Um, Rick, I don't like this one. I don't like this one at all. How do you feel Uh, about it? Is is this really all? But I mean, this was coming from an unverified account. I thought Pentagon Uh, shared it. Okay, uh, that's what I'm saying. But it was coming from an unverified account. I thought there was some debate if it actually was from his account. Oh, I guess I had missed that part of the story. Uh, he himself really hasn't said anything. But, hey, I actually had an opportunity to talk to Pentagon Sunday night. Uh, well, I was standing there for the conversation. Uh, Rivera, who is fluent in Spanish, they had a back and forth. They had a conversation. But I was over there doing my best stone cold. What? <laughs> what? I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Uh, but they had a good five or ten minute conversation as he was signing. Uh, you know, he, he had a line like no other. Oh, I believe that. Uh, pro, you know, the second longest line there only to Ray Mysterio. And, and we were in a largely based Hispanic audience. So they were they were very, very popular there. Uh, people were really wanting to see them. Unfortunately, we, we couldn't get a sound bite from him because he was just so busy and they were running out of time before the show. But yeah, but that had been a nice little talk with him. You'd, you'd have to ask him what the hell they talked about. Uh, but it was cool just to kind of be there next to him, you know, just you know, the presence of, of one of the hell. You'd have to say he is the most popular Mexican star right now, correct? Well, aside from Rey Mysterio, of well, course. Rey Mysterio is American. Well, yeah. Valid. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, Pentagon Jr. and his brother, Ray Phoenix, uh, they have to be, absolutely be one and two, depending on who you talk to. Uh, Phoenix, I could actually see inside of a WWE context, kind of a, a, a masked 
mix somewhere between Kalisto and Ricochet. But what the hell do you do with Pentagon Jr. inside of a WWE context? You have seen this guy now wrestle live. You're familiar with his moveset. You know what he does. Does anything Penta does translate to WWE? Not really. And I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at him here. He's 5'11", 206. Or yeah. 207. Right. I mean, he is... 205 live bound for sure. I, I I think that you have to completely repackage him. I do not bring him in as Pentagon Jr. I, well, I, and I think, I think that's, that's you know, a triple A name anyway. Well, I mean, that's, you know, he, he's, he's got so many different names that he goes by, you know, uh, across the indie circuit here because of all these trademark rights and all this. But I almost think was, you go like the, the route of La Sombra and you just turn him into a completely different character. And I think that early on, that was kind of the, the rumor about him going to WWE is that they would just probably re, completely repackage him. I and, think and ultimately, to. I think that's the direction you have to go. Because he know, just doesn't I know translate. Well, it, yeah. I mean, what he really represents now, it, it's not going to parlay over to WWE style. You're 100% right, Jargo. Phoenix could make that jump easily. Because, you know, his is more about the true athleticism or a pente. I mean, it's, it's violence. And I know this would, it would upset a lot of people to see him just completely repackage. But, hey, in the long run, look, it worked for Almas. Yeah, I, I, I love the talent. I just have no desire to see Pentagon Jr. inside of WWE or NXT because he's just going to be wasted. Well, you know what's kind of... What's funny, I, it was someone else we were talking about over in the Hameen discussion group on Facebook. And it was about talents going to WWE. And I made a statement, you know, how sad is, is it that in 2018, our only support for someone going to WWE in most times is well, go get the money. It's not like go live a dream on the biggest stage where you can go. It's now it's just go get the money. Yes. Because really out, outside of the money. What else is WWE really offering these individuals? You know, you still have, obviously, yes, you, you do have more visibility through WWE because they have their network. They're in much more markets, much larger markets. But still, the opportunity is there with so many different promotions, you know, now getting television time across the board from men to women's wrestling and everywhere in between to the different promotions on the different continents, the internet, iPay-per-view, the exposure is out there. I'd say 10 years ago, even working at the rate he's working at, no one even realized who Pentagon is. But now it's like through this grassroots thing. Now he is a hot commodity. A, a decent amount of us are, are high. I've been talking about it. Yeah. And like I said, I, I love him as an individual. I love him as a talent. But even the gimmick, I just I don't see it translating to NXT or WWE on the main roster. Um, let's talk about a lady that I absolutely hope to see inside of, uh, the world's largest professional wrestling company someday. And that is Tessa Blanchard, Tessa Blanchard making a yet another huge statement. She has signed 
with the superheroes of WoW, the women of wrestling. Huckleberry, I am really excited about this. This is a great pickup for WoW, and I think this is a great platform for Tessa Blanchard to be the face of the brand as they get ready to debut on Access TV this January. Yeah, big time pickup. Uh, this has got to be, you know, shocking coming out of so this got to be one of the biggest signings of the summer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, huge pickup for a while, you know, especially as you said, as you're getting set, you know, to get settled into to TV production, making your debut here. We saw Tessa at StarCast. We saw her at All In. I saw her Sunday night uh, in an absolutely incredible matchup. She is legit. She is real. She has got star written all over her. She is going to be the real deal. She is so young. So many great years ahead of her. The sky is actually the limit here. When you really, I think, you know, in the next decade, when we're sitting back here talking about women that are rewriting women's wrestling and not just women's wrestling, professional wrestling, she's going to be one of those at the forefront of that. Obviously, only second in women's wrestling to my precious Shasha. I look forward to that match. And I, to me, that is a WrestleMania match right now on paper. Tessa Blanchard versus Charlotte Flair. Book it. I don't care if it's WrestleMania 40. I want to see that match. Well, you know, one thing you got to watch there is it's probably going to have to happen uh, definitely sooner than later. Because you've got almost a 10-year difference between these two. Yeah, well, I was going to say, uh, Tessa's two only, to three years, maybe? Te no, no. Tessa's 23, and it's here. And Charlotte is 32. No, I mean, if this thing's going to happen and have it be the match that it needs to be, it, it needs to happen in the next two to three years. I, I would almost say, you know, this has got to happen by the time Charlotte's 35, because, I mean, that's the time yeah. we're probably going to set, you know, look to settle down and we've got to start having some kids and right. Go into that Nikki Bella role. Right. Yeah. Can't I can't have her out on the road and leaving me with these damn kids. Yeah, there is that. I, I think this is a huge pickup for WoW. I'm really looking forward to this show. Talking with Amber O'Neill at StarCast. She's going to be uh, coming on the show before too long. And then we're going to be setting up some interviews with the uh, ladies of WoW. I am really looking forward to this show. And I'm happy to see Access TV giving a all-women's promotion this kind of platform. This thing's going to be right on right after New Japan Pro Wrestling on Friday nights on Access TV. Yeah, that means this is going to be against the second hour of SmackDown when WWE moves to Fox. And I'm one of those. That I don't think that hurts a promotion running against WWE like that because you're going to start flipping. Yep. And you're already wrestling minded. I don't think this hurts a smaller you know show like this. No, I think this is great. You yeah. got, you're already going to have wrestling fans tuning in for programming. And I, I hope, you know, that. Access gives them a little bit of money to invest in the advertising to go hit some of those local markets that SmackDown is airing in, run local commercials in those in those big markets to say, hey, we're this is where you can find access on your cable provider. Check us out. We've got new we got hard hit New Japan and we've got, you know, I don't want to say real or legit, but we got we're just focused on women's wrestling in this hour. Tessa Blanchard versus Santana Garrett. 
I cannot freaking wait because you know that match is going to happen because Garrett's still holding that title at WoW. Let's talk about uh, Marufuji. Marufuji had his 20th anniversary over at Pro Wrestling Noah, and we don't normally talk about Pro Wrestling Noah, but I thought this match was of significance because he took on his longtime rival Kenta, also known as Hideo Itami. And yes, they introduced him as Hideo Itami. He came out to the Hideo Itami music, wearing the Hideo Itami gear. It was... Hideo Itami, even though the crowd was chanting for Kenta basically the entire time. Uh, Rick, did you have a chance to see this match? I did. Uh, I made sure. I saw this on the run. I, I went and found it. Hey, I'm going to say that, well, you know what, for this, I'm just going to go with Itami. We'll go with, we'll stick with it. They're going as Itami. I was going to go with Kenta. We'll go with Itami. Man, he looked great. Yeah, looked he's like he in down. the best shape I've seen him in since he came to WWE without any question. Uh, now, I did want to ask here, you know, just a great match from from my perspective. It didn't really go. It Usually my knock on thing is that they that they give over. They give away too much. They go over the top. I thought this was great for the spot. You know, they had it. This was the highlight of their show. So it was the one that should shine. With them going with the Tommy name, you know, keeping the look and all that. This has got to be you got to believe this is for them to be, hey, you know, Get familiar with him here because he's going to be coming back and we're going to be bringing more stars. This absolutely fuels my NXT Japan uh, conversation. I I really think that uh, WWE very well could be purchasing Pro Wrestling Noah and turning it into NXT Japan. This match was freaking awesome. I really enjoyed it. I I know I know more about this feud than a lot of Americans do, and I don't know nearly all of it because these two guys have been fighting for the better part of 20 years, uh, and there were a ton of callbacks that even I caught. So I, that Japanese audience was just going absolutely freaking insane for this match. And it was a fantastic match. Marufuji getting the win. Of course, it's his 20th anniversary show. He should get the win. I'm really excited to see what we're going to do with Hideo Itami now. Because if this Hideo Itami comes back to 205 Live the way that everybody's been putting over 205 Live to me, I keep saying that 205 Live needs star power. If you're going to give me this version of Hideo Itami, pardon the pun, I'm all in. I was going to say, this This is probably something. And you got to think, just going back there, feeling that that love, that excitement for his work, that's got to you know, kickstart in him, right? I hope so, man. I hope so, because I, I don't know if there has been a bigger disappointment of a big signing than what Kenta has been for WWE, whether it was the injury or just terrible timing or a terrible gimmick. Just something has never clicked with Hideo inside of a WWE context. Well, you know, there was, like you said, you know, the injury. And at that point, you know, he was one of those first major international stars to that they had planned to make a big splash, especially in the NXT division. And then hopefully, you know, look forward to the red and the blue. And at that time, it, it really was confusing to a lot of fans that hadn't, you know, opened their eyes up to everything that was going on around the globe. Because he was seen as just using CM Punk's moveset, when in reality, it was the other way around. Yeah. You know, he struggled through that, and then you catch that 
devastating injury. He was out for over a year, correct? Yeah, because uh, it didn't heal right. So he had to have a second surgery on that same shoulder. So he was out like the better part of a year and a half. And then by the time by the time he gets back and he's really, you know, where he can pick up some steam, you've already introduced an Asuka, a Nakamura, and all these other international stars that were coming. You already had Finn and all that had been over there. He just kind of, you know, sadly just got left behind. Yeah. It's been a really, really sad story, unfortunately. I, I hope the best for Hideo as he comes back. And if nothing else, once NXT Japan launches, if I'm building around Maru Fuji and Hideo Itami, I'm feeling pretty freaking good. I, I agree with you. And, you know, hopefully maybe this time next year, we're talking about Hideo Itami as the comeback of the year. What do you think of Maru Fuji? Like I said, you know, what the little I've seen, very impressed. I think there's something great there. But again, I just one of those I I probably shouldn't say anything about until I really you know, dive into his body of work. I always kind of felt like Maru Fuji was uh, a poor man's version of Shinsuke Nakamura. And now I feel like Shinsuke Nakamura has become a cheap version of Maru Fuji. It's kind of a weird dichotomy. WWE will do that to you. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit of WWE and uh, some marketing stuff before we actually jump into any wrestling. Hell, I don't even know if we're going to talk any wrestling because this show's already at an hour and 15 minutes. Um, Rick, I, I feel like this is part of the problem inside of WWE right now. We are promoting Hell in a Cell, the Super Showdown, the Mixed Match Challenge, Evolution, the May Young Classic. Hell, I don't even know what matches are happening on what shows anymore. We've got so much crap that we're building towards. And I think Vince has forgotten something that Wade Keller was actually talking about in a actual throwback going back to about 1996. I was reading an old torch and I came across this Vince McMahon torch talk interview that he had done with Wade Keller. And he says, I only market to the next show. And that was always Vince's focus, was marketing to the next show. Rick, all of a sudden, we're marketing five freaking shows at once, and nobody knows anything that's going on. I was really looking forward to this on the run. You know, anytime we can talk marketing, uh, it's, you know, it's what I do for a living and all that. It's something I really want to dive into. I think there, there's a number of ways we can really look at this thing. And with how many we got here we've got five five different major let's say marquee events right now that they're trying to promote and i really think this is this embodies the current just overall corporate direction of wwe uh as as you get back to 96 you really looked at where vince where the company was at you know they were pretty much you know firmly based in north america with a little bit of european expansion it was you know, you had to go to that week to week because you had that direct competition from WCW. You, you had ECW like hot on both of your heels. It was a completely different dynamic then. Now we're looking at a WWE that has its eye on a true, you know, not just global territory, but global domination. So we're getting to a point where, yes, they are spreading themselves very thin. But what they're trying to do, when you look at the actual product, the product is very watered down. It's very easy for anyone to understand. We're getting cookie cutter superstars. It's the reason that they have actually termed everyone superstar, so that it seems like everyone's on the same 
playing level. We don't have a true mega star there. Move sets are the same. Characters are essentially the same. It's pretty much like M&Ms. You know, I, I, last week I, I compared it to Legos, uh, and I got a little heat from the freaking Lego nerds there. So I'll go with this one here. It's kind of like M&Ms. You might dip a few of them in different colors, but essentially it's the same at its core. They're That's not Skittles, God damn it. So what they're trying to do in presenting a Hell in the Cell, uh, the Super Show in Australia, the mix, you really look what you get. The Hell in the Cell is more geared towards your traditional Western audience here. Your Super Show, obviously, you've got global expansion. You're trying to hit that Australian market. Uh, Mixed Match Challenge is trying to you're, – you're, you're intertwining some audiences, but you're more looking for that technology edge. Evolution is, let's be honest here, that is a PR freaking stunt. And then with the May Young Classic, that is ultimately towards your smarky, smart audience. The niche the of a niche really, of a niche of a niche of a niche. Your niche of your niche. So in presenting all these different shows at the same time, this is filling this is filling what they used to provide us, which was variety in the superstars in the week-to-week programming. Now all that is the same, so they're trying to confuse the audience by presenting it in on different stages. I feel like they're just missing the mark all the way around and focusing on a little bit of everything. I feel like nothing is actually getting accomplished. I think all, the only thing that's getting accomplished at this point is confusing your audience. I think yeah, you're the problem. They're trying to incorporate so much into the flagship programming to just, you know, quick hits at all these different target audiences that you're exactly right. You're leaving, you know, people just not confused, but, but feeling empty. Yeah. That they're, they're not getting their real fill here. You know, this goes, you know, Ben, I mean, always talks about, you know, with indie shows, compares them to Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors. There's something there for everyone. This is WWE's half-assed attempt to be that Baskin Robbins and give something to everyone. But what they're really missing here is they're, they're not giving us what, what the people really want. And that's intriguing stories, characters and in ring action. I've had some arguments over this past week, you know, where, Oh, the, the wrestling's fine. The wrestling is not fine in WWE. It's probably, and they've always had their style where it's always slower. It is safer. And there's nothing wrong with that. But now it is, I mean, it's, it is literally, it is just, a copy and paste of itself week to week. We're not getting any variety. They're a, most of the time complete, complete lack of like psychology in a ring. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend, you know, to be someone on the level of like a Ben Hanami and Stevie Richards that can actually break down every little nuance going on inside the ring. That's why we have them on the platforms we're on. That's where their expertise lie that you can, you can sit and listen to them and you can figure this out. You know, it's just not about going fast into wild factors. It has to make sense. They're not doing that. It's one of the things, you know, I've had against Rollins for all these times. You know, he's just, it's just Rollins repeats everything over and over and over. That, that is why their product is failing. But again, I realize here, you know, a lot of this, this product isn't for me. This product is for the people in Saudi Arabia that have, like I, we saw this week, how many people were upset that Undertaker and Shawn Michaels might be set up for Saudi Arabia. I mean, people's heads were going crazy, Jargo. Yeah. That match isn't for us. That match isn't for the Western Smark in 2018, 2019. 
That match is for the Saudi fan who last time they were there was requesting Yokozuna, Ultimate Warrior, and Andre the Giant. Yep. They don't have any idea what's going on. And even in, even when they do get the product, it's being presented to them in a different light. You know, there's so much stuff like on SmackDown. Everyone, why is Becky still being portrayed as the heel here? Well, I know we're going to get to that. And there's some debate there. But you think that when that thing goes to edit to a show in Australia, that they're not getting rid of those go Becky chants? Oh, or yeah. they're not, or the commentary is not putting the twist that she's the ultimate bitch. They're getting a di- different narrative there. And when you have to market and appease so many different cultures, you're going to get this hashtag LCDB, lowest common denominator booking. Yep. Um, before we jump into Raw, SmackDown, anything like that, um, I wanted to talk to you about Mixman's Challenge and uh, the Super Showdown. Let's let's go ahead and do that here with this marketing because there's a lot of people confused about some of the things that happened on Raw and SmackDown, and that's because you're not paying attention to the entire picture. Here are your pairings for the mix match challenge. Number one, you have your champions, Team Oscar, Miz and Asuka. They are back in it. You also have Team Little Big, Braun and Alexa Bliss, Rusev and Lana, Jimmy Uso and Naomi. Then we get into some of the otter pairings. You have Finn and Bailey, which of course is a relationship going all the way back to NXT. You have Sasha and Lashley. That's absolutely going to be a train wreck. You have Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. Kevin Owens and Natalia, because you know they're both Canadian, so let's stick them together. Then you have the champs, AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair. I'm really hoping that we get to see the nature boy AJ Styles robe get uh, brought out of the closet. And then you have the spokespeople for this year's Mix Match Challenge. We've been trying to figure out what in the hell is going on here for weeks, and now we know it is going to be Carmella and R-Truth teaming together for the Mix Match Challenge. That is why Carmella and R-Truth have been getting so much screen time together, why we're putting R-Truth in the main event on SmackDown this week. That's what this has all been about. Now I get it. Is that what you think too now, Rick? Oh, I'm with you there. When is this thing? Does this thing wrap up before evolution? I don't know. It's starting on September 18th. My God, they only gave themselves like two weeks to even market that this thing was happening again. And evolution is when? October 26th. Okay, so they could run this thing for a month here. Which would ultimately lead to Carmella's match at Evolution, where she goes over our truth. There you go. I mean, I mean, what's the payoff? You know, last time the big, the big payoff was this thing is to try to get people interested in mixed tag in WWE, so you could lead to the big McMahon Helmsley Angle Rousey match at WrestleMania. I mean, or was it, is is this being geared for something at Evolution? See, I always felt like the story going through the mix match challenge last year was, is Miz going to fuck up Asuka's undefeated streak? I felt like that was the big story going into last year's tournament. This year, it's Carmella and R-Truth. Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think that ultimately, you know, the WrestleMania match had anything to do with the mix match challenge. It was just kind of weird. You wrap that thing up and then you have this even bigger one. I think it was to try to get people interested thinking about what might happen there and that dynamic to reintroduce next tag matches you know to the wwe universe i got you. I, I gotta be honest looking at this thing from a marketing standpoint i know they had 
they had some good success, decent success with this thing the first time they ran it out here. And I think that was just more about introducing something not just different, but just introducing the Facebook Live platform. Yeah, but we watch platform. We followed this thing weekly when we started the show last year, and we saw a consistent drop every single week. It it came out strong, and that's and that's exactly what we were watching. We weren't really watching the matches or the outcome. We were watching the numbers. Yep. How is this thing performing numbers and business wise? Now I don't know, you know how they did with sponsorship through Facebook. Uh, I, I know it, it was one of the the more received programs that they had on Facebook Watch, but you know Facebook Watch is still in its infancy. They're still trying to figure out uh, you know the best revenue sources. Hell, they're still figuring out the best way to even get this thing out there to the masses to know that it's there. A lot of people are still unaware that this thing even exists or even how to get to the thing. And it, it's actually pretty simple, but it's just one of those things. Facebook. Isn't really put out there, and I think there's other reasons. Facebook is, you know, they're treading very carefully, preparing going into this next election cycle, as they were exposed, you know, by both sides, by all sides, trying to push their agenda, and they took a lot of heat for that. So they're trying to watch their asses. They're going to want to protect this thing to make sure that Watch doesn't, you know, get overexposed as a new campaigning platform. I, I would have much rather seen them try to come out with an entire new concept. You know, last time we gave you the mixed match challenge, we're, t- we're going to keep, I don't I wouldn't say evolving the game, but we're going to keep changing the game with Facebook watch and try something different here. I, I don't know what that is, you know, off the top of my head, maybe I'd introduce something with NXT UK. Uh, there's just so many other routes that, that I would have, that I would have gone than revisiting this thing, especially so soon. This hasn't even been a year. Yeah, I, I didn't think that it had been a year. This was during, like, between Rumble and Mania last year. Huh. I wonder why they th- – this has to be an evolution tie-in then, right? That's what I'm That's what I'm kind of guessing. Uh, maybe try – because, like, with evolution, last I had heard, they are at 70% capacity. So that would be with like six weeks ago. And I, I guess like on one hand, yeah, that's, that is pretty good for a WWE, like uh, not even like a staple. This is a special attraction event here. I guess 70 is good, but hey, let's not forget. I mean, this is in a hot wrestling market and they discounted the shit out of those tickets from the get-go. Yeah, there is that. Okay, let's, uh, let's take a look at the Super Showdown because I feel like there's some stuff on this card that was also set up this week on television that everybody is just confused about. Uh, number one, you have Cedric Alexander taking on Buddy Murphy. That's going to be for the Cruiserweight title. New Day versus The Bar. Um, this one I almost feel like kind of stooges off the match for next week. Uh, as it's going to be the bar taking on Rusev Day to figure out who is going to be the number one contenders for the SmackDown Live tag team titles. So bad on WWE marketing for stooging that one off. You have Brian versus The Miz in a number one contenders match, which nobody is talking about those stakes for one reason or another. Then you have AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship, which is either going to be 
once again, AJ defending the title or AJ getting a rematch for the title. You have the Shield versus the Braun show, which is uh, Braun and Ziggler and McIntyre. That's what I'm calling them, the Braun show. Then you have Rousey and the Bellas versus the Riot Squad. I, they kind of started setting this thing up this week on Monday Night Raw and everybody didn't understand what in the hell was going on. That's what they're setting up. You have Asuka and Naomi taking on the Iconics, which finally explains why Asuka came out to help Naomi Tuesday on SmackDown, even though commentary didn't put it over whatsoever. Kevin Owens attacks Lashley on Monday Night Raw, and everybody loses their minds going, what the hell's going on here? Well, it's Kevin Owens and Elias taking on Lashley and John Cena in Australia. He can't beat up John Cena, so I guess he's going to beat up Bobby Lashley. And then, of course, we have this Undertaker versus Triple H match and everything that happened with HBK and I completely agree with you at first I thought oh my god they are setting up Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker again and I was going to have this whole conversation with you about it happening at Wrestlemania and them not trusting Roman Reigns to sell tickets but I think you are absolutely right this is being set up for saudi arabia in november the prince wants to see the rematch from wrestlemania 26 and we all wondered how much it would cost Shawn michaels to come out of retirement well the saudi prince has found the price and we're gonna get the undertaker versus Shawn michaels in saudi arabia that's absolutely what i expect and that explains everything that happened on monday night raw and tuesday night smackdown with the exception of rockstar spud with the Authors of Pain, which I still have no freaking idea what in the hell the connection is there. But does that fill in a few blanks for everybody? Congratulations! We all finally figured out what the hell WWE was trying to tell us. It only took us three days. Well, I'd say, you know, some of these matches, too, they're not they're not hyping up. Like, they're hitting at some Super Show things, but they're not hyping it because they've got repeat matches at Hell in a Cell. Yep. You know, we're more occupied about Daniel Bryan and the Miz in a mixed tag match at Hell in a Cell. Then we are what really is should be one of the bigger matches of the fall. Here is these two going for you know battling out to see who could be the number one contender. Yeah, that's a much bigger match to me. But yet we have to include Maurice and Brie Bella, which well, it, just makes no sense to me. Other than Maurice throws a great DDT. Well, what, what I could see with this is you could play into that thing like all right. The families are going to feud here, but we've also got other stakes. I mean, why isn't that just as important right now going into the Super Show? Why can't you put both of those things there? We're going to embarrass you as a family, and then I'm going to go claim the number one contendership over you, you know, at at Super Show. Again here, all the hype. we got Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair for Hell in a Cell. They're sitting right here on this card for another championship match. You know what really would really help? that you kind of just laid out there, this would be the perfect time for WWE to, to insert, to revisit, reintroduce the old control centers. Yep. We almost need like a sports center like show just to explain what in the hell is going on across all these shows and all these platforms. Well, you know, back in the day, they'd kick over. You'd have me, Gene or Sean Mooney from the, that's the Royal rumble control center. This is the card here. And then they would also, hey, also, we're coming to the Boston Gardens for this thing. We're going to be at Madison Square. We're, we're heading down to Little Rock, Arkansas. They would do those things. That's what you need here to kind of make sense. Maybe twice two-minute spots during this show to remind people which direction that they should be looking in. Real quick, one more thing on The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. 
a lot of people that are they're not getting it that this isn't for the smart fan of 2018 just be happy that with the rumor it's just not an undertaker match that they've also convinced sean to come back and actually have a match with a fresh talent down the road that's the one that's going to be for you let's hope that happens because i just i don't know if i want to see this man because i i feel like no matter what they do and I was having this conversation with Jersey just the other day. No matter what, we have to keep in mind that this the last time this match happened was, what, eight years ago? They're both eight years older now. We can't expect them to go out and have that match in 2018. But if this match happens at, like, WrestleMania, we're going to. No matter right. how you slice it, we are going to expect that match. That's why you keep it as far away from there as you possibly can. Yep. That and again, you know, that's like if we go out to we go to eat at McDonald's and they bring out a bunch of happy meals, those aren't for you. Right. People need to just chill out. This match is not for those that are listening to this podcast. Yep. This is for the Saudi Prince. That's find, what find this some- match is for. You know, find another way, you know, find another reason. And it's just not the Saudi Prince in that, in that audience. It is for people that have, have turned their back on professional wrestling. They just don't get any more. It's something, oh, you know, maybe I'll check this out. You, you hook people with these older stars, and then you hope that some of your, your younger talent can get them to stay. Yeah, that's what's going on here. Well, Huckleberry, we are an hour and a half into this show. And Too much for the quick news segment. Yeah, we're an hour and a half into this show. So, and I, I, I got like four hours of sleep today. So I think I'm going to call it here. I think I think we should do a part one and a part two this week. Uh, well, it totally works for me, brother. We're an hour and a half in. I think we hit all all the big news. Uh, you know what else do we really have here on the run? I mean. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, we can talk about the build to hell in a cell. I really wanted to talk some ring of honor with you. Um, we we've got some NXT to talk about because last night we had a barn burner between the Velveteen dream and Johnny Gargano. We also set up a match between Ricochet and Pete Dunn. That's going to be champion versus champion title for title WrestleMania six all over again. But you know, at half the size and twice the speed with it being Ricochet and Pete Dunn. Uh, we've got Death Before Dishonor coming up. I wanted to talk to you about last week's ROH TV because we've got some friends of the show that were involved. So I think, we, I think we've got enough for a whole nother show. I, I'm with you, man. I say, you know, and I think there's actually some different news that's out there, some things that I, I kind of want to talk with you about. I think a lot of this WWE stuff, we could probably really condense it down. There's a lot of great news to cover, you know, like you said, considering NXT from Ring of Honor and just some other just roundabout items. But man, like you said, you know, with all in, we're trying to get caught back up this week. Uh, I think, you know, we've hit all the big news. Hey, man, I almost forgot at a certain point here we recorded. I thought we were just out having a beer, just bullshit. Good times, right? That's what we do here at Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the GorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. I, t- I love throwing those sound effects in there, especially the Gorilla Position roar thing. For some reason, that pops me every week. So let's go ahead. Let's wrap things up. Let's call this Season 2, Episode 35, Part 1, and we'll leave them with a big cliffhanger. 
Let's see, what should we leave them as the cliffhanger? Oh, I know. I know what we can leave them on as a cliffhanger. I got an email. I got an email while we were sitting here talking and I can tell you officially that next Friday, not, not when you're listening to this, no, not today, next Friday, Rick, we are going to have 20 minutes with Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, Jay Lethal. That is confirmed. Ha ha. See, aren't you happy that you listened until the end of the episode? That's coming up next week. We'll have a season two, episode 35, part two coming at you sometime this weekend. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. You can email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Huckleberry, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you as always you can catch me across all social media at the real rbv uh, of course i always encourage people to head on over to facebook and join us in the hot media discussion group so much going on there we're talking about all that's going on in the world of professional wrestling but, but most importantly coming out of today's show i want everyone to keep their ears and eyes open for a few very special announcements uh big ray and ourselves we have finally worked through the kinks i'm not going to stooge off too much of it but we found a way. We're going to be coming back together on One Wrestling, be coming at you live. That thing's going to get going here in the next week or so. Uh, completely new format. It's going to be something very exciting. I know everyone's going to want to be paying attention to what we've got going on. And also, I've got a little, uh, it's going to be coming out probably next week in a little side Saturday project called The Run-In. Uh, that's going to be going live on Facebook. Keep your eyes out for that. And I'd like to encourage people, you're going to hear me across all the platforms over here the next couple of weeks. Southern Ohio, Battle on the Border 8. Uh, I'm proud that I am going to be able to be a part of that show, helping out with with their media, with their live coverage. It's going to be something great. So everyone that is Battle on the Border, you can find them on Facebook. Some great matches going on there. Some big talent. I, ju I just got an email here. They have confirmed. I'm looking forward to meeting Mr. Hughes. Remember him. Wow, that's Mr. a callback. Yeah, that, that's a throwback. I, I am looking forward to meeting him there. Uh, that's going to be a great show. That'll be fun. You can also, I completely forgot to plug, you can find me Wednesdays at One Wrestling Video for this is NXT. And for the next series of weeks, we are actually covering the May Young Classic as well, which I have dubbed this is MYC. Yeah, you there like you that? Yeah, it's all about the brand, baby. It's all about the brand. Also, one more thing I wanted to put over this track is from my boys down in Southern Florida, a nice, happy band called Mayday. Their new album drops today as you are listening to this. The album is called South of Fifth. Be sure to check them out. Mayday on Strange Music. Huckleberry, I feel like this was a good show. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. For now, we're off like a prom dress. Say up! I've been trapped in the city. I've been trapped in a cell. Something's got in me. I don't feel too well. I had to get away quickly. 
The ground down to the lounge, down to the sound foundation. Down the rabbit hole, running manic so I'm an animal, spotted on sight, Dalmatian. Took a downtown training. When I got to the place for the fancy occasion, they wanted me to sit preschool shit like I pulled up fast with a box full of raisins. So I moved to the basement where the shaman had a bottle for me on the mound waiting. Blessed up, best up, next up, and it burned chest up for the uninitiated. But we ain't no laymans. We've been taking these trips so much we could trace them. This a lifestyle poor with the ancients. And find that magic in the smoke. Find that magic in the smoke And find that magic in the smoke